Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host Lauren to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Nelson Mandela once said, it always seems impossible until it is done. And I'm just curious, how many of you have been wondering if change is actually possible? You know, you seem to take two steps forward and then another one back. (laughs) Remember um, the game Shoots and Ladders? Maybe you feel like you get ahead, but then you like slide right back down to the starts. Life feels like that sometimes. And if you feel like that right now, I have some good news. If you're feeling stuck in any certain area of your life, today is for you because there are certain things that can help you move past defeat and into victory. And this is what Debs and I are going to be talking about today, getting unstuck and staying unstuck. The truth is, most of us will get stuck at some point in our life. Yes, and most likely several times. You know, the reality is there are all sorts of ways we can get stuck in our lives. Uh, It could be in our work life, a relationship. Certainly, I know a lot of people get stuck in their finances, And I mean, even bad habits. Yeah. I think that we could even get stuck in a painful like emotion of some sort or um, just an experience. Yeah. You know, and whenever I think about being stuck, you know, as we were getting ready for this, it always takes me back to this one experience. I was on a two-week mission trip in Africa. Yeah. I was about to head to the airport. It had been, you know, incredible two weeks. And we made a decision to stop off at the markets and do some last minute shopping, get some souvenirs right before we headed back home. And my purse was stolen. Oh, out of my hand, boom, in an instant. And because we were getting ready to go to the airport, I had put everything back in my purse. I've learned to travel where you separate stuff. But my passport was in there, all my identification, my credit cards, my emergency cash, which I had $1,000 emergency cash, gone. Oh, my goodness. My plane tickets, gone. No. (laughs) And let me tell you, um, it is quite a long story, but I ended up not only not being able to get on the plane to come home that day, but I was told that the government was shutting down that it was a holiday and they would be shut down for more than a week. What? Yes. I was oh like, shuts down the government for a week. They do in Africa. Um, and because of the backlog, I was not going to be able to fly home for at minimum a month. Oh my. And they said, honestly, it might take you even longer. Wow. So you can imagine I started freaking out yeah, because everybody that I had come on the trip with, they were headed back home. So I'm literally stuck on another continent, no identification, no money, and no idea when I'm going to be able to leave. And everybody I know 
solo, gone. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. You know, so in that minute, I mean, in that moment, I really did start spiraling down an emotional kind of hole, a very deep one. I was homesick already. Aaron at that time was in elementary school. So he was just a little, a little guy. And I had never left him for that long to begin with. So the thought of not being back home for a month, um, all the things that Bill was going to have to do, ways my family was going to have to step up. And then I started thinking about, oh my goodness, okay, it's already cost me a thousand dollars, which we didn't have a lot of money at that time. It was a big sacrifice for me to go on the trip. But I was thinking, how much is a hotel going to cost food every day? I mean, so I just started spiraling down, 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 (laughs) you know, the deeper I went. And um, it was so funny because that was happening. And then like almost immediately my fighter, which, you know, Jessica talked about, my fighter side of me kicked in and I was like, who shuts down the government for a week? I can't believe the drivers took us to where they knew it wasn't going to be safe. I mean, how could they let this happen? And then I'm like, God. I've been here serving you and like really I mean it was it was a full blown emotional tsunami I would have definitely been like crying for sure (laughs) I cannot imagine how you would have how you felt yeah and uh, well I shut down yeah I mean I really did probably when I think about like all my experiences in life that's a moment that I can go back to where I remember just absolutely shutting down I was paralyzed without a question, could not see a way out. And what I learned, though, is in that experience, God showed me something. And I'm going to share it with everybody in a little bit, but I learned for sure that when you get stuck, it can do some crazy things to you mentally, Mm -hmm. emotionally, physically, and even spiritually. Yeah, it really does. And I'm pretty sure that we have all been there before. Yeah. We've all felt those things. And the good news, though, is that you got unstuck. (laughs) You're no longer in Africa. You're right here with me. (laughs) Hallelujah. I love Africa, but boy, was it good to come home. (laughs) I bet. Thank you, Jesus. And again, I'll share a little bit more about how I actually got home because, again, I learned a very invaluable lesson in that experience. And I know it's one that can definitely help any of us when we find ourselves stuck in an area of our lives. But, you know, aside from that, um, I've been stuck in many different ways at different times in my life. And thinking about sharing today, four really kind of like stood out in my mind. Obviously, I shared one of those in the last episode, struggling with bulimia. That was 13 years of my life. And it wasn't just bulimia. I was struggling with addictions at that time. And so I just remember being in that daily self-defeating, you know, those behaviors and mindsets and all of that. I remember feeling so hopeless and just powerless and ashamed of where I was And I don't know, you know, I didn't know what to do. And I really did wonder if I would ever get unstuck. Um, It just, it didn't seem possible. But again, thanks to Jesus, as I shared last time, I got unstuck. And He can deliver you from anything. And it's hard to believe that was 26 years ago, but it consumed 13 years of my life. And then Obviously, many of you can relate. Uh, 
I had challenging times in my marriage. There were years, challenging years, where really stuck in like poor communication patterns, just um, sabotaging patterns. And we can all, you know, find ourselves in that uh, space sometimes. But thank God we didn't give up. You know, Bill and I will be celebrating 31 years of marriage. You know, uh, we're not stuck in that same place any longer. And two last ones. There was a period where I really got stuck in some pretty significant emotional pain. It was the result of an unexpected trauma that happened in our family. And I remember days not really wanting to get out of bed. I wanted to check out. I slept, you know, watched TV over eight for Mm -hmm. sure, just trying to cope with like what was going on on the inside of me. But hey, you know, God is faithful. Yes. We eventually got through it. We healed. We came out the other side. And I can honestly say that our faith not only was strengthened, but our family. And now we can actually share that experience with others and give them hope. And um, just one more real quick. There was a period in my life where I got stuck and it was for an extended period of time. And it was the result of a consequence, really, of a bad decision that Bill and I made. It was a bad investment. We did it right before the downturn in 2008. And that one decision had such an impact on us. And like I said, it was for eight years. And let me tell you, those were some really tough years. But I really, looking back, think and realize now that stuck is where I finally learned how to live unstuck, even though our situation didn't change immediately. It was quite a journey, and I... I'm so excited to say we got unstuck. Yay! And, you know, not, you know, I got unstuck in my head and my heart yeah. long before I got unstuck in the actual situation. But God has fully restored the things that we lost. And now Bill and I are in just a really, really sweet season. So I can say today with confidence that getting unstuck is possible. Yeah, getting unstuck is possible. Even though, like the quote from Nelson Mandela, it may feel impossible sometimes. For sure. So that's a little bit of my backstory. Um, What about you, Lauren? Has there been a time or two in your life when you were stuck and it kind of stands out in your mind? Yeah. um, hmm. I remember when I was 11 years old, about 10 or 11, I was in fifth grade and I was diagnosed with rheumatic fever. And the doctors at the time were shocked because this was something that they haven't seen or heard of in a long time because yeah. it's, it's very rare and it can affect your heart. So at the time, the doctors told me that they didn't want me to participate in anything that would speed up my heart rate. So that meant for me, like I couldn't run around at recess. I couldn't participate in PE. And um, that was disheartening. Yeah. I felt alone. I felt like something was wrong with me and the kids knew that something was wrong and they would ask questions and I didn't really know how to explain it. I mean, I was 10 or 11. And so I ended up just feeling like weird. I felt like the weird kid. Um, Luckily we did move. So when I was 12, I got to start fresh in a new school and those kids didn't know me like that. But basically during the time that I was sick, I had to walk around very slowly everywhere. And I read a lot. I did a lot of crossword puzzles. Um, I was kind of like had a boring childhood because I had to, you know, chill out a little bit. 
And I wasn't really allowed to do much outside of studying schoolwork and watching movies. And I was 10 years old, but I felt like I was stuck in like a 90-year-old body. Wow. But you're good. You're good now, aren't you? I am. I didn't, I didn't know that yeah. about you. Yeah. Would have never known that. Yeah, I am. I am. Um, thank God. Um, Jesus definitely healed me. And um, I had a lot of people praying for me during that time. And I eventually got back to running and playing and being a kid. But it was a sticky situation for sure. I bet. Yeah. And guys, wherever you find yourself today, God doesn't want you to live stuck. And the truth is one of the most powerful things you can give yourself, your family, your friends, and the world around you is an unstuck you. I agree. So let's start talking about getting unstuck and then staying unstuck. In our last episode, we did begin to dig into John 5, and we took a look at the story of a lame man who was stuck in paralysis for 38 years until Jesus delivered him. 38 years is a long time to be stuck. It is. (laughs) It absolutely is. And like we talked about in the last episode, Jesus has power over time. So no matter how long you've been in a certain situation, He can give you a fresh start, a new start. And the cool thing is, this story about this guy doesn't end there. It doesn't end with Jesus making him well and him walking. There's more that happens after that. And what I love about this entire story is that it not only teaches us about getting unstuck, it teaches us something about staying unstuck. So just before we jump into all of that today, I really do wanna say a couple things. The first is this isn't some five easy steps to freedom because the reality is our stories are much more complex than that. Our lives, you know, are unique. And no one should ever say to you, just do one, two, and three. Because sometimes what worked for somebody is not necessarily what is going to work for you. So just remember that we can share some things that we've learned along the way, but prayerfully hear those things today and know that Jesus knows your unique situation. And He, at the end of the day, is the only one that can help you find the way out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But it is always helpful to learn from some other people's experiences. So today we are going to share some practical things that can help you not only get unstuck, but stay unstuck. Yeah, I want to go back to that Africa story and how the Lord actually got me unstuck because He taught me a very invaluable lesson. So you can imagine I'm like freaking out. I end up going back to the hotel and I am sitting there and I am legitimately having an emotional meltdown. And I did. I felt absolutely paralyzed until there was a knock at my door. And I go to the door, open up my door, and there in front of me is Pastor Mamie Harris. She was at the college that I went on the trip with. She was actually a new team that was flying in. And she was not only a professor at the college, she was a spiritual mama to me. And she had heard about what happened. And so I open the door. There she is standing there. And she looks me in the eye and she says, Let's get you out of this place. Let's pray. And oh my, (laughs) did she pray. And the reality is before we prayed, 
I was stuck yeah. in the natural realm. And I, I, you would think I was on a mission trip, you know, like lover of Jesus right. that I would have thought about praying, but I was so stuck in that moment and paralyzed. I had not even reached out for any like supernatural help. So I, I think it's worthy of pausing and just saying, if you're there today, maybe you're in a situation and the, all the thoughts are spiraling and you just, you just, you are so stuck. Let me encourage you, whenever you find yourself in that place or in any stuck place in your life, just stop. Be brave enough to admit it and reach out and ask God to help you. And here's the thing. When we prayed, there wasn't any immediate sign that, you know, the situation changed. But after we prayed, I can tell you this, I changed. I felt a definite shift inside of me. And Lauren, like you said in the last episode, getting unstuck begins in us before it happens, you know, um, through us. And that is so true. And guess what? Amazingly, supernaturally, two days later, I flew home. Oh my gosh. That's the power of prayer. Yes, because they said you were going to be there for like a month. Yes. And they they really, you know, led me to believe that it was going to be much longer than that. So the absolute best advice I can give you is pray. Pray, 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 because praying gets you out of places. Yeah, it sure does. It helps us get out of like our negativity and out of our selfishness. It helps us get out of our helplessness. And prayer really is the first and main thing to do whenever we get stuck. It is. And, you know, just thinking about that, when God delivered me from bulimia, Mm -hmm. it began that morning on my knees in a prayer. Yeah. You know, and looking back every single time, all those situations I talked about, I was able to get unstuck because of Jesus. (laughs) And I just, I simply can't overemphasize that enough. You are not going to get unstuck without Jesus. He absolutely is first and main. Yes. It reminds me of um, the story in the Bible of Jonah. Remember? Okay. He was literally stuck in a whale for like three days and three nights. And probably seemed like forever. Yes. And he prays and then bam, the fish spits him right out. Come on. Yeah. So, I mean, that is, that's pretty stuck. And he prayed and he got out. Love it. (laughs) And I think that we see this here in John 5 as well. If you think about it, the layman who is stuck in his paralysis enters into a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus asks him if he wants to get well. That's when things began to shift in his life. Mm. Talking to Jesus is what enabled him to align his heart and his thoughts with truth. And the word says it's truth that sets us free. And so when we share our thoughts with him, he shares his truth and promises with us. He does. This is where we get the supernatural help from. It's through prayer through having conversation with God. And we can depend on Jesus. We don't have to go through our sticky situations alone. We can talk to him about anything. Um, We can share our thoughts and our feelings. We can share um, our worries and struggles and our weaknesses. I mean, he is just sitting there waiting for us to open up to him. And the reality is he already knows the condition we are in, but he just wants to hear it from us. 
And we don't have to hide from him. I mean, I don't really think we can hide from him. Right. And whenever we realize our thoughts and emotions are leading us in the wrong direction, right then we can just reach out to him. For sure. And Lauren, I want to read a scripture that I think really drives this point home. It's in Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. It's out of the message translation. I just love the way they put it. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Yeah. So the first practical tip is prayer. Just like you said in Philippians 4, pray instead of worrying. Yeah. Okay, so let's keep going. What else can we learn from experiences being stuck? Well, we actually talked about this in the last episode. It has to do with the Word of God. It was the Word that was spoken to the lame man that carried the power for him to rise up out of his condition. The lame man's faith in the Word spoken to him is what gave him supernatural strength, right? So it is what enabled him to get up and move forward. And it is the same with us. If you're stuck, I cannot (laughs) emphasize this enough. Get a hold of the Word of God and its promises. Why? Because the Word is powerful. Hebrews says it like this, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I mean, guys, the Word carries power, and it can transform our lives. And in Romans 12, you can actually find a principle there, a transformation principle. And it actually is telling us in Romans what the story of John 5 shows us. It tells us, fix your attention on God, readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. You'll be changed from the inside out. And isn't that exactly what happened in John 5? The lame man fixes attention on God, he recognized what Jesus wanted him to do, and he quickly responded to it. What was the result? He was changed from the inside out. Yeah, this is a picture, a portrait of spirit-led recovery, Debs. Oh, it is. I mean, it works the same way in our own lives. The Holy Spirit reveals God's Word to us, and then we're able to recognize what Jesus wants us to believe and do. Then, by faith, we, as we rely on the power of spirit, of grace, and choose to quickly respond to it, we are changed. We're transformed. Yes. Yeah, Debs, I agree. Get scripture in front of you. Seek to understand God's will for whatever area it is that he's working on, and then ask the Holy Spirit to help you come into alignment with it quickly. And guys, this might sound basic, (laughs) prayer, word. I mean, it is basic, but it's fundamental. And remember, this is first in Maine. I mean, the real question is, how many of us hear the word but never actually do what it says? Ouch. Yeah. And again, we're sharing our experiences. All I know 
is any lasting change that's happened in my life has happened because I yielded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that came through encounters with Jesus and His Word that He spoke to me. Yeah. Debs, I I know that we said that we wanted to talk about the end of John 5. So how does the rest of John 5 tie into us getting unstuck and then staying unstuck? Perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) So we know that the lame guy got unstuck, right? Right. But if you go and finish the story out in 514, it says this. It says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. You know, I think Jesus is telling him, hey, it's just not about getting unstuck. I want you to stay unstuck. Yeah. You know, he is wanting to tell this guy something, and if he'll listen to him, he is going to be protected mm-hmm. because Jesus doesn't want something worse to happen to him. And I don't know if y'all can relate, but there have been so many times in my life that Jesus has done work, but then he circles back and he finds me and he shows me another part to the equation in my life. And many times it's my part in the equation because as we've talked about last time, we ha- God has a part, we have a part. And oftentimes that requires some type of action, some type of response. And it may mean saying no to something, quitting something, which he's telling the guy this, um, or releasing something. It could even mean beginning something. This is a picture of how Jesus works in our lives. And remember, this is a portrait. It's of Jesus, the great physician who comes to restore us, mend us, heal us. And He works to do that wholly, every part of our lives. And so that's what He's doing with this lame man. He's restoring his soul, which is his mind, his will, emotions, his body, and his spirit. And He wants to do the same in our lives. And I i mean, I do. This is one of my favorite parts of the story. I love the way He circles back. Yeah. Um, And that, to me, says getting unstuck and staying unstuck is a process, (laughs) y'all. And, you know, when he circles back, he's reminding the guy. He's saying to him, look, come on, take a look. You're whole. You're well. Look at what I've done. He's saying my grace has, has completed you, body, soul, and spirit. And if you'll fix your eyes on this you'll understand this is truly who you are. Think about it. What is he really doing? He is reminding him of what's been accomplished in his life, and he is offering him an abundant life. In essence, shalom, wholeness in every area. And grace and truth always leads us to this, a life of wholeness. Yes, it does. And look, there's a nugget here. I really want you to get this. Just like the lame man We're given an opportunity to respond to grace with a life of worship. Think about it. Where does Jesus find him? In the temple. In the temple, right? And just like the lame man, we're given the opportunity to respond to truth with a life of surrender and obedience. And that's what, you know, Jesus says to him, sin 
no more. In the beginning of John, he has this radical encounter with grace. Remember John 5, grace multiplied. And grace, the response to grace is going to be worship, reconnection to God. And in the in the context of connection, Jesus will come to us and he will share something. You know, he'll confront us. He'll convict us of something. And we have another opportunity and it's to truth. Yeah. And will we yield to it, surrender to it, respond to it? And that is to me a picture of the pathway to wholeness. It's how you get unstuck and how you stay unstuck. The, the, a full picture of belief is a life exemplified in worship and obedience. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. And so think about it. Um, Jesus in John, actually, is, it says that Jesus is the Word. Right. Right. So in our context, we have the Bible, we have the word and it will confront us. And every time it does, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to believe. And then the word confronts us with truth and that truth convicts us. And in, you know, a conviction is always an invitation to obey. Yeah. Surrender yield because God's ways are not our ways. They're better. And I, you know, for myself personally, being confronted, you know, to believe is amazing. Being convicted is such a gift, but I've, that's not all we need. We've got to have the Holy Spirit because Our nature is so contrary to the nature, even in the presence of truth. Yielding to it takes a power that is greater than our own. And that's what the Holy Spirit offers to us. He helps us yield our will to His will. And every time in my life, you know, when God confronts me, when He convicts me, I just have to ask for help. I've learned over the years, I do not have the strength to do it on my own. But here's the, here's the great news. This is the power of the gospel. When we're weak, that's actually when we have the opportunity to be made strong. Yeah. Because he'll do it in us and through us. It's a work of grace yeah. from beginning to end. Yeah. So let me ask you, Debs, are there any like specific ways God has helped you to surrender? Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's been, yes. But I think if anything like just stands out to me, it is he did give me a practical way that really has many times over helped me kind of align my heart to his will. And it's a simple exercise, but it has had profound implications in my life. And I kind of call it, I call it the trash or treasure exercise. And it's a visual way the Holy Spirit has helped me really choose things that were going to build my life instead of destroy them or tear them down or even, you know, hurt others. And I kind of have come to think of it like doing resistance exercises with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, And it it really is a, a way to focus more on what you're gaining over what you're giving up. And when you do that, it really can 
um, help you. And so the principle actually comes out of a passage of Scripture. It comes out of Philippians 3, 8, and it's Paul talking. And he says, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. You know, that's poop. (laughs) (laughs) I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. In this passage is this little nugget of Paul saying that he had come to compare what he was gaining in Christ so much more valuable of treasure that everything else that he once thought was like so valuable is now trash. Yeah. And so the Lord began to teach me how I could like, when I was going through a situation, I could literally put my hands out in front of me and I would put what God was offering me on in, in one hand and then what he may be asking me to give up or let go of or surrender or whatever, in the other hand, and ask myself just a simple question, what's worth more? And whatever was, what, whatever was worth more was the treasure. And whatever was worth less, worthless, got thrown in the trash. Oh, I love that. That's a great exercise. So, you know, practically, you know, go back to talking about bulimia. And we're talking about this guy that he got delivered, but Jesus wanted him to like stay delivered, right? Right. Um, the Lord delivered me that day. I knew it. I got up. I felt the freedom. I knew the power to do what uh, Christ had promised me was available to me. But do not think that there were not moments after that where the thought came into my mind especially if I maybe had eaten a little bit too much to go back to that, to make myself sick again. And this passage kind of don't, don't go there because something worse may happen. I think I, I knew that, but I use this trash or treasure, treasure principle exercise, however you want to define it. And when I did, when I like put freedom, like God's offering me life and freedom and his promises. And then I put up like putting my finger down my throat and like staying in bondage and and staying stuck. And I looked at the two of them. I'm like, no, what God, freedom is worth more. And, and focusing on that helped me take those thoughts that were worthless and throw them in the trash. I mean, he's done this so many times in my life, in my marriage. I mean, because I got stuck, you know, for many years in like bad communication habits and patterns of thinking. And again, wasn't that the beginning of John 5, like breaking those patterns of thinking that that really do keep us limited. He wants to break those things off. And when I compared, like Christ says, obey your husband, respect your husband, submit to your husband, love your husband unconditionally. Don't nag him. Don't, (laughs) you know, complain and gripe and all of those things. Um, which are easier to do, right? Their yeah. habits. Oh yeah. And I looked at that, and I thought, you know, wow, that 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 is, I I want that because it promises me a fulfilling marriage and a satisfying life and hope. And I looked at my ways of doing things; those were worth far less. They hadn't worked, right? And so it's like throw them in the trash and trust 
what Christ is saying. And as I yielded to that, God healed our marriage. And I could go on and on. I mean, obviously the time we were in, I had that family trauma and I was stuck. I put my hands back out and I thought, here's pain, here's resentment, here's, you know, all of that. And then I compared it to the the opportunity that I knew like my family can heal. My family can become a testimony for other people. I can give glory and honor to God. And I thought, what are those? What's worth more? Yeah, That's worth more. And it enabled me to let go of the pain. I love that. That's so awesome. And that's a great takeaway when we feel stuck. We can like trash or treasure our thoughts. What is more? Um, what might you gain if you are willing to give something else up for good? Those are great questions that we can ask ourselves. I remember a time when I had to give up my Saturdays. When I started my career as a hairstylist, Saturdays were non-negotiable. It was a prime day for salon business. And I know that sounds a little like, eh, that's not that big of a deal. But it was to me. I was young. I was just starting my career. And that meant that I couldn't do whatever I wanted to do anymore on Saturdays. I had to grind and build up a clientele so that I could make some money and like pay my bills. <laughs> and I think that what is key here is that God shows you whatever it is that is worth more because that's what he wants for you. And there's a scripture in Hebrews 12 that says, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. And isn't that what we want? Yes. Peace. Yes. And so we think about peace we think about rest. We think about shalom, which is what is offered all throughout Scripture. Is this? It's this idea of wholeness, right? Of life working the way God intended it to work. And something really interesting that I think is important to point out is we kind of started this part about getting the Word in front of you and talking about how powerful and alive and active it is. That particular verse is actually found in the context of Hebrews, where it is talking about this invitation to rest, to a life of peace, which most don't enter into because of unbelief. And remember, real belief is exemplified in worship and obedience. And it is realizing that God's ways are better than our ways and acknowledging that, entering into that and aligning our lives with that. That is the only way we are going to harvest righteousness, being right with God and peace. And that's something we all want, especially if we're stuck in a particular area. And what I love is that the verses that actually follow the invitation to enter into God's rest, you know, His works, His ways, it goes on to say that we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. What does that mean? He knows how fickle we are. He knows the nature that we're wrestling with, but he did not sin. And it tells us because of what he's accomplished, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy 
and find grace to help us in our time of need. He wants to help us. He wants to confront us. He wants to convict us, but he wants us to find help through the power of the Holy Spirit to enter into everything he's promised us. So whenever we're stuck, whenever we find ourselves like the lame man in a state of impotence, which really means you're helpless, right? Mm -hmm. Can't do anything for yourself. Remember this. There is a law in the Bible. It's called the law of first mention, okay? And there's usually some principle of God that you can find in that. Well, where is impotence first mentioned? It's mentioned with Abraham, who just so happens to be the father of what? Our faith. Our faith. And it says that, Abraham didn't focus on his impotence and say it's hopeless. And it actually says in verses 4, 18 through 20, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as he had been told. It says he did not weaken in his faith. He acknowledged the decrepitness of his body since he was about 100 years old. (laughs) He'd been promised a child. And the lifelessness of Sarah's womb. Yet he did not waver through disbelief in the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Okay, look, there's a key here. It's the same thing with us. Okay, God, you know, he confronts, he convicts. He says, look, you can have my help, but we can model, we can do certain things. Everything was written for our example so that we can have what God said. So like Abraham, he didn't focus on his impotence, so neither should we. All right, he didn't say it was hopeless, neither should we. He acknowledged his impotence, so should we. But here's the key. He believed. And what it was the word in John? Believe. That's what he's asking us to do. And he not only believed, it says he didn't waver. So it doesn't matter. Like your quote at the very beginning, it may look impossible uh, until it's done. Yeah. You believe and don't waver because God can do anything. He's more powerful. He's greater than any obstacle or challenge that you face. And another little, you know, aside is that in Abraham's journey, you know, God circles back with him and he actually asked him to lay Isaac down. And there are going to be times, just like with this lame man, the Lord's going to say, yield to me, obey me, surrender something to me. And if we do, just like Abraham did, we can be assured that there is going to be a provision because God always has a better way. And the wonderful thing about it is, like Abraham and just like the lame man in John, when we yield to this process, we're not only going to be strengthened in our faith, God strengthens our will to do what He says, and we will get the same result. What has been spoken will happen because, again, we started at that place. God's Word will never return void. It will, at all times, accomplish what it says it will accomplish. So anytime we surrender and obey, we will be blessed beyond 
anything we can ever imagine. And the result is going to be abundance of life and peace more and more and more. Yes. And that's what I want. I know that you want that. And I'm sure everybody else wants that too. So I think that we can start by asking the Holy Spirit to lead us to maybe certain verses that we need to read or believe in the Bible. One of my um, favorite things to do is to search for words or verses that apply to my specific situation. I like to use the U version app a lot on my phone. Do you use it? I do. I yeah. love it. You just type a word or a phrase and see what pulls up. And I like having the app with me because it's with me wherever I am. It's on my phone and my phone's pretty much always with me. Yeah. <laughs> but it works the same way with the Bible. You can just go to the back of the Bible and look for words that might associate with whatever you are feeling. And you know, when you look for those words, it'll tell you what page to turn to in the Bible for comfort and help and assurance. And I think that when we do this, this helps us push back. This helps us resist the devil because then we are basically choosing to lean on God and his promises instead of falling for the lies of the enemy. You know, scripture says that when we do this, Satan will flee. That is so good. Absolutely. We can start pushing back. Um, think of it like a workout for your will. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and in the same way, when we work out our bodies, it makes our muscles stronger. When we resist the enemy, our you know will on the inside, it really does get stronger. And the stronger it becomes, the less um, our flesh will actually dominate us. Yeah. I remember a time in my career, I was um, promoted very quickly to a management position. I was like 21 or 22. I was pretty young at the time. And I was delegated tasks to do by the general manager. And these tasks were not always glorious. <laughs> a lot of the time I had to handle like when someone shows up late or not being able to um, grant request off forms. Um, on occasion, I was asked to let people go. I mean, that's definitely not fun. And it was hard. I did it, but not everyone liked me because of it. And I remember journaling in my prayers at the time. And um, I would journal and then I would go straight into the scripture and then I would read what it said. I would write it down with that prayer and I would study that particular scripture. And as I was going through these emotions at work, I was led to the scripture about um, the armor of God mm. and how to stand your grounds. And that was that was really life-changing for me because it helped gave me the tools that I needed to have the confidence in myself to do the job that I was given and to do it well and to do it with confidence and not feel bad because other people didn't like what I had to do. Mm. You know what I mean? That's good. Um, so I just really want to encourage you to just start speaking God's word over yourself, over your family, and even over your career very quickly. One other thing that I have found helpful to me is placing affirmations of God's word around me. You know, putting them on the backdrop of my phone or on my tablet and computer, um, writing them down on notebooks, sticky notes on your mirrors. Yep. 
Um, I even like to like purchase things that have scripture on it for my home, like little pillows or wall decorations. Um, You can even buy tumblers now with scripture on it Uh and t-shirts. It really is helpful to have the word around you at all times and to see it. Okay, so that was the second thing. The first was prayer. And then the second thing that we suggested is that we get a hold of the word and to let it confront us, let it convict us, and to ask the Holy Spirit to help us yield and obey it. So what else you got? What's another thing that has helped you get unstuck and stay unstuck? Mm. Well, I really think one of the main things is finally realizing that stuck is primarily a head and heart thing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we've all seen stories of people in unbelievable situations who refuse to allow that um, condition that they have to define or limit them. I'm talking about, you know, people who are in wheelchairs. Maybe they've lost a limb. And they really are living fuller and more active lives than people who have technically more abilities than they do naturally. Um, that spirit yeah. <laughs> that even though you might look at that and think, wow, that's a really stuck situation. They're not stuck at all. They're free. Yeah. <laughs> More free than many of us who have those abilities. And so like I mentioned at the beginning, this is something that God often teaches us through our own limiting experiences because he, he really wants us to learn how to live above and beyond them. I know that's how it's worked in my own life, but it's not just me. I mean, look at all the stories in the Bible of people who were really in confining, uh, you know, predicaments, stuck, you know, in, in a variety of ways, and yet they they flourished in those places. So again, it's it, you see that it's more of a head and a heart issue. I mean, Joseph. I mean, look at what happened to him, but look at how he flourished in. Um, growing and, you know, he was thrown in the pit in the pa- yeah. <laughs> you know, and then made it to the palace and all that prison pit, all that. Um, and look at David. Yeah, I mean, think about how um, he was anointed to be king, but all the things that happened to him when he was serving under Saul, yeah. many would see that he was stuck in a cave, but like mm-hmm. he still um, uh, excelled in those places. And Paul, you know, I mean, there's just so many. And so the verse that really stands out to that, that really helped me in that, comes from Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. And it, this is, it says, I have learned, mm. okay? Even Paul had to learn it. I have learned to be satisfied in any circumstance. I know what it means to lack. I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. It comes back to God's doing something in us. Mm -hmm. You know, I go back to being stuck in... uh, bad financial investment that Bill and I made in 2008, right before the downturn of the economy. And let me tell you, it was hard. We almost lost everything we owned. I ended up having to go back to work in nursing, which I'd left for good. And let me tell you, that situation lasted eight years. And I really believe that's where God taught me 
how to live unstuck even while my condition or circumstances, we were still stuck. Yeah. And you can do it. You can. It's something that you learn. Yeah. I I do think that um, contentment plays a big part in this. Huge. If you are not content where you are now, more than likely, even if your circumstances do improve, you will still find something to be discontented about. When we live in dissatisfaction, I think that we almost always make poor choices. Like, for example, let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the beginning of the Bible and yeah. talk about Eve. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Eve, she was born into a perfect world, nothing bad in it. And yet she ate the fruit from the one tree that God asked her not to eat from. Mm. She felt discontent. This is how the enemy works. He gets into your head and gets you stuck. She lived in a world where there was no pain, there was no suffering, no stress. I mean, she had it good. Yes, she did. (laughs) (laughs) There was just this one rule. Do not eat the fruit from the middle of the garden or else you will die. And then out of nowhere, this little serpent comes slithering around and tells her that, no, you're not going to die. But in fact, you'll be like God knowing both good and evil. Mm -hmm. He's holding out on you. Yeah. (laughs) And so Eve hears this and she's like, well, I want that, you know, um, and she eats it, even though God told her not to. Yeah. Why? She was discontented. So good. She was not content with what she had. And there was big consequences from that. Um, several stories in the Bible of how lives were ruined as a result of that one choice. But here's the thing is God is willing to forgive and restore. We don't have to lie in the bed that we made for ourselves. Come on. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, and that's what we've been saying. God is merciful. He is so gracious. And He, everything that happens, He will work it to and for our good. And He really, He doesn't want us to be stuck. He doesn't want us to stay stuck. And there are practical ways that we can unlock our head and heart. There are. Mm-hmm. And He wants to teach us those things. And it's, you know, for me, it's it's been a process. I mean, it's been 26 years of going through experiences and in those experiences, having Him confront me, convict me, teach me, learn to respond. And as I have, you know, he's unlocked something inside of me. And so many of you, you, you're probably familiar with a verse that is in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. I want to read it to you. But it's Paul talking. And, you know, Paul is, he's, he's basically saying, look, <laughs> I win it sometimes, I lose it sometimes. Um, and even though he's, he knows he knows what God has. He knows what God says. He knows he hasn't fully like experienced all of it yet. Yeah. He hasn't walked in all of it yet. And he says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness of what I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, 
I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Y'all, there are so many nuggets in that one verse. You know, and that's the place that we come to every day. I haven't experienced everything I'm pursuing, God, but I'm going to keep running. I'm going to crawl on the days that all I can do is crawl, but I'm going to keep moving toward the abundant life because there's a purpose that you have for me and you want me to fulfill it. And I know that in this process, there's something that I'm going to discover with you. You want to show me something. And God, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I got to tell myself, I know, I know, I know. I cannot depend on my strength. It is by your grace alone. So yesterday's gone. I'm going to forget the past. I'll learn from it, but I'm moving on. I'm getting up because today is a new day. And I know your mercies are new every single day. So I hear the invitation, God. It's through the anointing of Jesus, and I accept it. So let's go. Let's go. (laughs) I think it is really important to be able to cut yourself some slack. I mean, I know we all have feelings, right? And it's okay to have feelings. Jessica told us that and explained that to us in our episode, Break Before You Break. It's okay to not be okay. And there is this stigma that we need to be emotionally strong at all times. And that's just not realistic. I mean, we cannot just always be strong. (laughs) We just can't. And this is where I think that defeat sets in. When things happen and when things go unplanned, I did learn this tool from um, John Maxwell. It's called the 24-hour rule. And basically, you just give yourself 24 hours, one day to feel however it is that you want to feel, but that's it. And then you move on. Yeah. I like that. So in that 24 hours, you can choose to release your emotions any way you want to. I mean, you can cry it out. You can just sulk and be alone. You can talk it over with a trusted friend. Um, You can wallow in (laughs) self-pity, whatever you need to do, get it out. Just don't stay there. And make sure to take it to God and be real with Him and be raw with Him and be vulnerable and then move forward. I love that. I really, really do. And again, you know, this is part of that learning that stuck really is more of a head and heart issue. Right. And so, um, you know, I remember asking the Holy Spirit and I, I, I still ask Him because, again, I'm not there yet. But God, help me, help me reframe the patterns of thinking that I have that not only get me stuck, but keep me stuck, you know, in whatever area of my life, because we all have those places. Remember, we started with John 5, and it was Jesus coming into that territory, Mm -hmm. right, where there was patterns of belief that needed to be confronted. And when those things were dismantled, that's where the freedom journey began for him. And so, you know, the trash or treasure principle, what is that? It's really a, it's how to reframe your thinking that unlocks something in your head and heart that allows you to like make better choices. 
You know, another one for me was he helped me learn how to exchange all or nothing thinking for just start somewhere because I was like the all or nothing person. Yeah. Right. You know, I either could do it 100% or I wasn't doing it at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. I think a lot of people feel like that sometimes. Yeah. It's like for me, like, oh, I can't start you know, reading the Bible because I can't read for an hour (laughs) or, you know, I can't start exercising because I can't exercise for an hour, five days a week. Like I remember even just pray, like starting to pray, just being able to say, start somewhere like five minutes. Okay. I can do five minutes. And what I found is if you will allow yourself to make that small achievable, start somewhere Mm -hmm. that you'll find there's days where... You stay there, yeah. You know, but it the goal is small enough. It's you start somewhere, and like Jessica even mentioned it last time. It's so true. We know this as coaches. Motivation builds motivation, yeah. And so little successes build greater successes. Baby steps, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just like um, think of like a ladder. You want to get to like the top of the roof, right? And you're having to use the ladder to get to the top, but you can't miss a step. You have to take one step after the next, after the next to get to the top. You can't yeah. just jump up to the top. You can't leap up to the top. You have to take the little steps. So good. I love that. That's a great example. Yeah, Lauren, it's true. Little steps can make a huge difference. All the things, you know, we're sharing today, the ones, you know, especially from my own experience, they have seriously done wonders in terms of unlocking my head and heart when I've been stuck. Yeah. Well, let's keep going. I think that another way to get unstuck is to embrace accountability. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm actually in um, an accountability group right now, and it's awesome. It's me and two other ladies, and we're each in different states and time zones, which also makes it a little bit challenging. (laughs) Um, But we didn't know each other at all before this. And um, let me tell you, accountability requires vulnerability. It does. (laughs) Um, First and mainly to Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I think about being vulnerable— To me, it means that you are willing to give your heart. You're willing to open your heart and find room to trust. And so in this accountability group that I'm in, I'm basically trusting these other ladies that I don't even know to hold me accountable for the things that I want to be held accountable for. And when you are vulnerable, it's kind of scary. Um... But when you're vulnerable to Jesus, he fills your heart with love and strength and security. And when you're stuck or wanting to stay unstuck, it can be super helpful to find someone to be accountable to. Is there someone that maybe you can reach out to and be accountable with? Lauren, I'm really glad you shared that because there was um, a time where I had to ask for accountability And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is, it saved my marriage. I found myself just kind of honestly, completely out of the blue, (laughs) Um, really tempted to cheat on Bill. And uh, it was kind of like a whirlwind thing. Some of that can like, it can happen so fast and just kind of come out of the blue. But anyway, I was really tempted and could feel myself struggling And long story short, it was a guy that 
ended up doing some work on our house. So he was coming to our house every day and he was like flirting with me. And I'll just be honest, he was hot. (laughs) (laughs) I love your transparency. Uh, I mean, he was. And so, um, you know, Bill, oblivious to what's happening inside of me, ends up hiring the guy to like do all this other work, right? And I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh. So he's coming every day. Bill's going off to work. You know, he's like sweating, fixing everything. And <laughs> I was like, dear Lord. Um, anyway, I was really tempted. And so I ended up like just, it was such a wrestle. But I knew that I had to make myself accountable. The crazy thing is I actually went to Bill. That's you know, good. And that's because we have enough of a relationship that I know that I can trust him and be vulnerable with him. And so I did. I went to him and I said, I am very attracted to this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what he did? He actually started coming home. He was always there when, because we didn't want to fire the guy. Right. Um, Let him finish his work. Obviously didn't hire him to do anymore. (laughs) But when we talked about this in the last episode, all darkness brought to light loses its power. As soon as I went to Bill and confessed and opened up mm-hmm. and like that accountability happened, that thing broke. Yeah. The crazy thing is months later, completely over it. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing with our flesh. You know, Jessica talked about that, our emotions. Like we can get these sweeping emotions Mm -hmm. and we're not, that we have emotions, but we're not to be led by emotions. And when we find ourselves in those situations, remember we can use those as like, "Mm -hmm -hmm." so there were things that Bill and I needed to work on, you know, in our relationship, which we did. But months later, after this was like, guy completely out of my mind, I ain't thought about him. That's over with. My phone rings one day. Oh, my goodness. Was it him? Yeah. And I answered the phone. And literally, the phone started going, disconnected. And I was like, never heard from again. So I'm going to tell you, Jesus can deliver you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. How about that? Thank you, Jesus. God, a lot of the times, can work in ways that he knows he will be heard. Yeah, he was. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't happening. Yeah. Um, He he shut that down real fast. (laughs) And so, um, you know, maybe in your own accountability, you might need to talk to a trusted loved one or a friend or vent to someone that is trustworthy. You know, good friends really do listen, and they really do want to help you if you let them. And they will encourage you and love you through any of your negative thinking. And just like you said, Debs, all darkness brought to the light loses its power. It does. So if you're stuck or just really struggling in an area, find someone to be accountable to. Trust me. Yeah. (laughs) It will help you. It will. And I think another way to stay accountable is to stay in church. Oh, come on. Yeah, church is so important. And the Holy Spirit has worked in my life before in ways where I had just been sitting in a service and felt like the message was directed right to me. I felt very called out. (laughs) Um, And I just, I've 
I've left church before knowing exactly what I needed to do next. So many times that's happened. And you know, guys, not only just sitting under the word, which is obviously super important. We've already talked about that. And that's one of the ways you do that. But get connected in church. Some of the best accountability people are there in church. It could be sharing with a pastor. It could be getting in that small group. Oftentimes, those are wonderful places to like find people with a like mind like goals that you can be accountable to accountable to and if you um, aren't in church right now or really aren't rocking it in that area go back and listen to our episode on rocking church life there's some nuggets in there yeah there really is okay guys well we've shared some of the practical things that we've learned and the reality is getting unstuck and staying unstuck will look differently at different times There are times when God miraculously intervenes, like in Deb's story and the phone call going, (laughs) and then things will quickly happen. And then other times it may be a lengthier process, but I think that you can feel assured that in every situation, you can trust that there's something being developed in your life and you will get unstuck. Yes. And just remember, God loves you. Yes. He loves you so much. And He's always working something for your good. And He will help you conquer anything that you're facing. And I want to leave you with something one of my mentors shared with me. I think it sums up getting unstuck and staying unstuck. It's called The Autobiography in Five Short Chapters by Portia Nelson. I don't know if y'all have heard it. I just love this. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe it. I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. I'm stuck. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down another street. I love that. That is so good. Well, I hope that today's episode gave you hope. And when you are stuck, not only is it possible to get unstuck, but it's possible to stay unstuck. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we can't wait to meet you here again at First and Main, your avenue to living well. Well,